In our study of the Gospel of John, we arrive at chapter 10 today. This chapter, John 10, contains one of the more beautiful of the images that Jesus gives us about him and his people. That in this chapter, we hear Jesus call himself the Good Shepherd. And he uses in this chapter a few extended metaphors about sheep and shepherds to reveal his loving care for his flock and how his flock follows him. Now this week, we're going to look at verses 1 through 10, which focus on this sheep-shepherd relationship from the perspective of the sheep. Next week... We'll read verses 11 through 29, which focus on this same relationship from the perspective of the shepherd. So today, as we hear the word of God, let us consider how the sheep see their shepherd. How the sheep see their shepherd. Let us look at John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. And leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Amen. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we pray that you would bless the reading and hearing of this word. That by your spirit, you would go forth with this word. That you would use me in spite of my own sin in spite of the many ways in which I sin and am tempted to sin, to faithfully and clearly proclaim Your Word. And that You, O God, would open our ears to hear. That You would open our hearts and minds to receive Your Word. And that by Your Spirit, You would work through Your Word in us that we might know Christ more. That You would convict us where we go wrong. That You would comfort us where we are hurting. And that You, O God would share with us the abundance of blessings you give us in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Our passage this morning is really, it's beautiful in a lot of ways. 
But the primary way we see the beauty of this passage is in how it pictures Jesus for us, that Jesus is the door to abundant life. And so we're going to look at that, and then we're going to look at the false shepherds, the thieves and robbers who try to step in and take away the flock. And finally, we're going to consider how the Lord uses under-shepherds today. So to help us understand what Jesus is saying about himself, we need to get clarity on how shepherds took care of their sheep. And so the picture in these opening verses of John 10 is of a community sheep pen. Not one family's sheep pen, but different families in a village would keep their sheep in this community pen overnight. The pen would be walled and a gatekeeper would be hired to stand in the gateway and guard the gateway overnight. This way, whenever a shepherd wanted to take his sheep out of this community pen, he would approach the gatekeeper who would then open the door allowing this shepherd to call out his own sheep so that they would follow him. Now, this is the image of what Jesus is telling us in John 10. And what's hard is it doesn't match the images we have of the night Jesus was born, of people watching their shepherds, watching their sheep by night out in the field. But this is what Jesus is talking about, this kind of community sheep pen. And it's pretty easy to get what's going on until Jesus decides he is going to compare himself to two different things in this passage. That he's telling us this beautiful image, but Jesus casts himself in two roles, which confuses us just at least a little bit. First, he presents himself as the shepherd of the sheep. But then he also says he is the door of this sheep pen. And we're kind of like, which one is it, Jesus? Like, how can you be both? But Jesus' words are easy to understand once we kind of separate how he's describing himself. And so using these images of the shepherd and the door, Jesus speaks about how the sheep relate to him as a shepherd and the results of that relationship as the door. So the relationship and the results of that relationship. And the sheep relate to their shepherd in three ways here in the passage. First, they know that their shepherd enters by the door. The shepherd doesn't need to climb over the wall because he's the true owner of the sheep. He can simply walk up, say hey to the gatekeeper, and get his sheep out. In this image, Jesus is the shepherd, which makes us think, well, who's this gatekeeper? Well, the gatekeeper is the word of God, the scriptures. That Jesus came to his people in accordance with the scriptures. He did not try to come with his own agenda. He is not there with any ulterior motive. He came in line with the Lord's previously revealed promises that he is entering. He is coming to God's flock by the way God said he would come through the scriptures. So the first thing, he comes by the gate. They know their sheep that, their shepherd that way. Second, the sheep know the shepherd by his voice. That most livestock will recognize the voice that feeds them and come running. They know which voice has proven trustworthy from when they were young. And so similarly, Jesus came speaking familiar words of God. He told people to repent of their sin. 
and put their trust in the Lord. And just as a shepherd calls his sheep by name, so also we recognize Jesus that his words hit us personally. They cut us to the heart. They heal us where we need to be healed and they correct us where we need to be corrected. And so second, we know the sheep know their shepherd because of his voice. And then third, the sheep know their shepherd because he leads them. The shepherd builds trust with his flock, and so they follow him where he goes. They know they're in good hands because he is walking before them. He is not driving them from behind, but walking before them. Likewise, Jesus not only taught us the truth, but he lived it perfectly. He showed us the way to love others sacrificially. He showed us how to be a servant of all. And so in these three ways, Jesus says this is the relationship between sheep and shepherd. And just when we've got that down, he immediately says, I am the door. What? I thought you were the shepherd. And so the picture then starts conveying the results of this relationship with our shepherd. In verse 9, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture." And so this door or gate was an important part of the life of the sheep. The sheep needed to go in through the door into the pen in order to be protected at night. They needed somewhere to be kept. And so Jesus promises that a result of our relationship with him is that we will be safe with him. We will be protected from danger. This does not mean no harm will ever come to us, but it means that anything that does cause sorrow or suffering has come to us by the providential hand of God and for His good purposes. And so Jesus is the door to the pen of God's providential protection. But the sheep didn't just stay inside the pen. They needed to be let out of the pen in order to find pasture. And so by following Jesus as our shepherd, we will be satisfied as He provides for all we need. He does so physically by ensuring we have our daily needs, and He does so spiritually. Jesus gives us joy no matter our circumstances. He grants us peace with God through forgiveness of our sins. And He gives us hope for the future, knowing we have been saved by God's grace. And so Jesus is also the door to the pasture of God's gracious provision. These results get helpfully summed up in verse 10 where Jesus essentially tells us, here's what I want for my sheep. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. When we look at Jesus, when we see that He's our shepherd, we need to see that our lives will be richly blessed. This does not necessarily mean that we will have an abundance of possessions or health or wealth but that we will be dearly loved by the Lord, possessors of the promises, especially of eternal life, that we will have the faithful and loving care of our shepherd and all that implies. And as you're listening, as you're reading these words, I hope that they are comforting to you who believe in Jesus, that you treasure these beautiful words of your Savior and how He cares for you. But I hope you're also asking why are they here? Like, it's really nice that you said these things, Jesus. 
But why are they here in John chapter 10? Well, throughout this chapter, Jesus is contrasting himself with the religious leaders of his day. See, last chapter, chapter 9, we looked at last week, the Jewish leaders had shamefully treated a man who had been born blind that Jesus healed of his blindness. And he did so on the Sabbath. And that's why they were mad. And their venomous words revealed their true shepherding character that they failed to care for the flock of God. And so Jesus here is presenting himself as the true shepherd who is better than and different from these false shepherds. You see, these false leaders were not all that different from those in Ezekiel 34, our Old Testament reading, that these leaders took advantage of the sheep, neglecting their care, using the sheep for their own purposes. Notice how Jesus doesn't even refer to them as shepherds. He doesn't even give them that title. He calls them thieves and robbers. And so going back to the image of the sheep pen, a thief or robber would not go through the door. The gatekeeper would whack him and get him away. No, you are not allowed in here. And so the robber would try to scale the wall. And I guess like heft the sheep up over the wall. Sure, that sounds like a lot of fun if you really want to take a sheep. But if you're doing that, you're not doing it for a good reason. You're doing it to steal, to kill, or destroy, as Jesus says in verse 10. But we're not talking about sheep. Jesus is talking about people and their religious leaders. And so how were they thieves and robbers in his day? And how today could people fall prey to thieves and robbers? I want to consider two of the ways this might happen. You see, you might be able to get into the pen and steal sheep by a forceful approach. By overcoming the sheep with force and pulling it out of the pen. See, sheep aren't great at fighting back. They can squirm and wiggle or something like that. They're really, their only defense is to run away. But if you're in a pen, there's only so many places you can run. In Jesus' day, the Jewish people were stuck under the rule of their religious leaders. There was no escaping their influence. The Pharisees and the other Jews had taken control and were using their power and authority for their own purposes. Now today, we have a lot more freedom to choose where and how we worship. But there are still scenarios where we can be trapped under thieves and robbers. This kind of story has been in the news recently as a podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill has been released. It's a fascinating and yet horrifying tale of the rise of this charismatic yet domineering leader. This megachurch that seemed biblical and successful, and yet the leader and others behind him were consistently forceful and abrasive in taking advantage of the sheep. And I appreciate that the narrators of this podcast, of this story, make a point to say that this story they're looking at is an extreme version of something you can see in any sized 
church. That thieves can take a forceful, domineering approach against their sheep, cruelly driving them instead of humbly leading by example. And so one way that we can fall prey is to a forceful approach by leaders. A second way that we can fall prey to thieves and robbers is we may be intrigued by a novel approach. Like a, huh, what's that new shiny thing there? And we just get interested in it. Now, sheep seem to uh, like the same rhythm of going in and out the pasture the same way day after day. And many people have these routines and rhythms. Your carpet may be even worn from the way you do your rhythm each and every day, that you like things all the same all the time. But people do like new things. Hey, let's go try that new restaurant. Hey, let's turn on that new show on TV. Hey, this is new and different and exciting. Let's give it a shot. We can have that same attitude towards Christian teaching and Christian practice. There's a reason it's a news story every time someone makes a discovery that's going to completely change how we think of Christianity. Because when those discoveries are, things are still the same. It's not, it's not exciting news. We're interested in new. And so maybe we're looking for a new way of doing church, a way of doing church that lines up with our preferred way of viewing the world. A way of doing church that lines up with our preferred political party and cultural values that serves that more than it serves Christ. Perhaps we're looking for a new interpretation of an old biblical idea that doesn't require us to repent of the sins we like. Perhaps we're looking for a new teacher that doesn't expect obedience. Rather, they are here to entertain us. Perhaps we want to read the latest book that has finally cracked the secret on how God will answer all of your prayer requests exactly how you want him to. To live your best life now. Perhaps we want a church that feels more like something that's comfortable to us. A concert, a coffee shop, a town hall meeting, a family reunion. Thieves can lead us astray by appealing for our desire for something new. When all they're trying to do is attract us with something shiny for their own purposes giving us something different that we think we want. And so in this passage, Jesus is trying to train his sheep on how to see their shepherd. He wants them to see that he is different from other false shepherds, that Jesus is not a thief or a robber. He did not come to take from the sheep, but to give his own life for the sheep, as we'll read about next week. That he is the door to abundant life and that door is open for all who come to him. But Jesus ascended into heaven, which means he's not available to be our pastor. He's not available to lead our weekly Bible study gathering. He will not have an hour long spot on Christian radio every week. 
And so part of Jesus' plan then is to use under-shepherds for His flock. See, Jesus is the chief shepherd, as our New Testament reading from 1 Peter 5 says. But Peter also calls the elders and pastors shepherds, saying they are to serve by shepherding the flock. But because we are sinners, not every shepherd is a faithful one. And Peter's words in 1 Peter 5 remind us of some common temptations that can turn shepherds into thieves and robbers. A desire for domineering authority. Self-seeking gain. Or merely going through the motions without a heart. And so John Calvin says Christ warns us here that we should not regard as shepherds everyone who claims that title. So how can we be sure that we are following faithful under shepherds? How can we know that we are not being led astray by a thief or robber? These are important questions for us to ask about our leaders. And as you might imagine, it's a little weird to talk about as the one up front filling the role of shepherd, because I hope I am serving you well, but I also must insist that you don't take my word for it and don't simply trust that I am doing a good job, for I am a sinner like any one of you, and I am prone to mistreating sheep. So then how can we evaluate our shepherds? First, does your shepherd see himself as an under-shepherd who must also follow Jesus? That no matter who your shepherd is, he or she is also a sheep. The pastors and elders must also follow Jesus even as they lead others. See, one reason why some leaders are forceful and domineering with those whom they lead is they have forgotten that they are not the chief shepherd. They have forgotten that they are under shepherds, that there is someone in authority over them. And so Peter writes, shepherds should not be domineering as if they are driving the flock with a whip. Instead, like Jesus, pastors and elders should walk before the sheep, leading by example. And in this way, our church leaders reveal that they are under shepherds of our true shepherd, Jesus Christ. So does your shepherd see himself as an under shepherd? Second, do you hear the voice of Jesus in your shepherd? Now, I want to be clear, this does not mean that you should expect for your shepherd to receive new and direct revelations from Jesus that no one has ever heard before. That's a warning sign. That's a no-no, okay? Rather, we carefully listen to our leaders to hear if they are speaking the words of the Lord. Is what they teach from Scripture. And do they teach the truth without being ashamed of it? But also, do they teach without proudly judging others who disagree? The sheep know the voice of their shepherd and they should hear that voice in their under-shepherds as well. For they have been called to faithfully preach and teach the words of Christ. Do you hear the voice of Jesus in your shepherd? Third, does your shepherd lead you to Jesus for abundant life? Your church leaders should not lead you to their own teaching, 
to their church's programs, but to Jesus Himself. Your leaders should not promise an abundance of wealth, an abundance of life without suffering, but an abundant life in knowing Jesus. Because pastors and elders have nothing to give the sheep that does not come from Jesus. I love the story about uh, Charles Spurgeon, the great English preacher, that a person went and heard some other preacher preach in the morning on Sunday and then went to an evening service where they heard Spurgeon preach. And someone asked them, well, what did you think of those preachers? They said, well, the person I saw in the morning, I heard them and I thought, wow, he is a great preacher. But then I went and heard Spurgeon and I thought he has a great savior that he presented Christ more than himself. Do your leaders point you to Jesus alone for abundant life? See, John 10 causes us to ask, how do you see your shepherd? And our shepherd is Christ. He is the good shepherd of Psalm 23. And we should see him as the one who saves us, who provides and protects us. And who gives us abundant life to enjoy even now. And in God's infinite wisdom, the Lord Jesus is not here in the flesh. And so he has called a few lowly sheep to serve as his under shepherds. And that by God's grace alone, we can see our shepherd in and through them. Knowing that behind the imperfect work, there is a perfectly faithful shepherd that we get to go to. That we do not flee from, but we flee to. Knowing that he calls us by name and offers to give us abundant life in him. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, our shepherd. And God, I thank you for the great privilege of serving as an under-shepherd. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless all of us who serve as leaders in this church, that we would serve you well. I pray for our other churches around this area and in our presbytery, Lord. I pray that you would raise up faithful men and women to be your shepherds, your under-shepherds, O God, and that they would lead you well. We pray, God, that you would convict those who are leading people astray, that you would help us all to get better at what we do, that you would give us a heart for the sheep. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to always see Jesus as our Lord and shepherd, to follow him, to listen for his voice, and to know that abundant life can only be found in Jesus Christ, for he is the door. There is no other break in the pen. There is no other entrance or exit point. He alone is the gateway to the protection and provision that we so desperately need as your sheep. And so may we follow him and trust him all of our days. In Jesus' name, amen.